Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Jerry Haley, and I serve on the personnel committee in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Have you not known, have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let us worship God. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And relying on that grace and love, let us pray our confession together. Almighty God, you have raised Jesus from death to life and crowned him Lord of all. We confess that we have not bowed before him or acknowledged his rule in our lives. We have gone along with the ways of the world and failed to give him glory. 
forgive us and raise us from sin, that we may be your faithful people, obeying the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ, who rules the world and is head of the church, his body. Amen. Jesus is indeed risen and is Lord and Savior of our lives. God has freed us, and friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Now affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let us take the time to greet one another in Christ's name. Good morning. morning. Welcome to worship here this morning at Church of the Palms. We are grateful to be perhaps at the start of our July 4th celebration and maybe some of you have made your way down from other parts of the world to do that here in Sarasota. So we hope that you'll find this to be a place of warmth and welcome. And uh, we are grateful always to be gathered together uh, inside the freedoms of our country to be worshiping our good Lord, and so we rejoice in that. We invite you to fill out the friendship pads which are in the pews and pass those along 
to your neighbors and uh, note those folks who are sitting near you. We do really encourage you to use this as an opportunity to meet a new friend. And uh, so check off those names there and look for the one you don't recognize and, and then maybe perhaps uh, introduce yourself if you haven't already done so after the service. Well, we've been uh, pushing the peanut butter uh, <laughs> over the last several weeks. We had our peanut butter drive, shooting for a thousand peanut butter jars by the end of June. And I'm happy to report that we, we made it. Yes. You're not clapping loud enough because we got to not 1,000, we got to 2,245 jars of peanut butter. We have officially entered the black market of peanut butter, I tell you. <laughs> no, we are uh, grateful for your response to that. And um, so you won't be surprised in the next announcement, which is that we need help packing food bags for uh, our neighbors. No, we've always needed help with that, but we would love for you to join us. Uh, perhaps this may have been for you an inspiration to be cognizant of this very important ministry here at Church of the Palms. And if you'd like to volunteer your time, um, please see the announcement in, your bullet in the bulletin and our call the church office, and we'll make sure to put you into a slot where you can help us out to pack uh, these uh, bags of groceries, which we're handing out on an average of about one bag every 10 minutes or so. So that's, um, it's a great need that we're trying to address here in Sarasota. Another need that we're trying to address is through our Day of Hope. We're trying to respond to families uh, who are um, near or not below, if not below the poverty line as they are preparing, some of them homeless families who are preparing their children for school. Day of Hope is our opportunity to come alongside of 250 or so of those children and their families to resource those kids so that they can go with great dignity to their first day of school, fully outfitted and resourced for uh, a new year. So if you'd like to help us out with that, we're still taking volunteers and you can see the table underneath the tree. Uh, Dottie Tile and her gang will be happy to greet you and find a way for you to uh, participate with your time. If you'd like to help us with resources uh, toward that end, we will always be grateful for that. Let us now continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Let us pray. Gracious and holy Father, as we offer our treasure and hearts to you, may they be used to pass on the promise of hope, peace, life, and community to all in need of your provision and presence in their lives. We ask that you multiply these gifts such that they will be used to multiply your already but not yet kingdom on this earth and in heaven. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated, and now we invite the children to come forward for the children's moment with Jacob. Good morning. Oh, is it on? Good morning. Ah, there we are. Are there any kids out there? Hey, there they are. They're following me. <laughs> they came up out of nowhere. Yes, Miss Carol is out today, and so I am filling in. Good morning. Just have a seat. Welcome. I have an opening question for you. Do you know what a parable is? Anybody? Yes, no, maybe? Have you ever heard of the little story of the little boy who cried wolf? All right, how does that story go? What happens? The boy keeps on calling like there's a wolf, but there's not. And then there's actually a real wolf. And then what happens? Then he gets eaten. <laughs> And no one believes him, right? And so, <laughs> in that story, what is the lesson we learn? Don't do what? Yes. Don't lie. Perfect. And so, in those stories, there's always a lesson to be learned. So, in what a parable basically is, is a story with a lesson tied into it. And often, rather than arguing, Jesus told parables to teach people lessons or stories. And so, one day, when Jesus was eating with his friends, the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of those times, they saw him eating with tax collectors when he, they considered to be sinners or bad people. And rather than arguing with him, Jesus told them a story. And it goes like this. He says, one day there was a shepherd, and he had a hundred sheep. And now, who here has cats and dogs? Because none of us have sheep. At least I don't think anybody here has sheep. And so, if you have cats and dogs, could you imagine taking care of a hundred cats and dogs? <laughs> Probably not. I wouldn't want to. I have no desire to. But if you had a hundred sheep even, that'd be a lot of work. And so this is what he did all day. He took care of these sheep. But then one day, this, this one little sheep ends up getting lost. Sawyer's the big bad wolf. He's going to come take the sheep. <laughs> and so the sheep goes missing, and then the shepherd doesn't know what to do because he lost one of his sheep. But if you had 99 sheep, would you be all that worried that you lost one? Yes, no, maybe? Well, that's the question Jesus asked the Pharisees. He asked them, who, what do you tend to? Do you continue to tend to the 99, or do you go find the one? And they all seem puzzled and perplexed. But the moral of the story is, is every single sheep matters to Jesus. And so what does the shepherd do? The shepherd goes out and finds his one sheep. He hunts all day long, <laughs> all day and night, looking for that one sheep that got lost. Which is odd, because if you leave the 99, aren't you afraid they'll get lost? Or maybe they'll get eaten by wolves? And so that's what doesn't make a whole lot of sense to the Pharisees. But when he finds his one sheep, he rejoices. He runs around and tells everybody. He shows everyone how excited he is that he found the one lost sheep. Yes, rejoice that the one lost sheep has been found. And so now he has all 100 sheep again. And the moral of the story is, because it seems very simple, but back then, lots of people had sheep. Lots of people were shepherds. So to them, the story made a lot of sense. They could relate to it. 
And what Jesus was trying to say is to you, these people that you consider bad people or sinners or tax collectors, they might be that one sheep that you often don't notice when it's lost, that it's not a part of the group. But to Jesus, every single sheep matters. It doesn't matter if it looks different or it's maybe it's the runt of the group. To him, every single sheep is important. He doesn't want to leave any sheep behind. So if they're lost, he always wants to find them. And so just like us, every single one of us is a sheep. And so if we're ever lost or in trouble, just know that Jesus is always there with you and that God always cares because every single sheep is important. And so will you pray with me before we head up? <laughs> Dear God, thank you for this day, and thank you for all of these children, um, and for all of us. We are all the sheep in your flock, and so thank you that you tend to each and every one of us individually, and that if we ever lost or are scared or in need, um, that you will come and find us and rejoice every single time um, that you find us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Alrighty. Thank you. <laughs>
On this day, 154 years ago, approximately 100,000 American men met in the environs of a small town in Pennsylvania named Gettysburg. It was to be the second day of a three-day battle. July 2nd, on its own, would come to be marked as one of the costliest engagements of the Civil War. 100,000 Union and Confederate soldiers went to battle on that day, and one-fifth of them, 20,000 on that day alone, would end up killed, wounded, captured, or missing. War is not glorious, nor is it to be glorified. War tears at the fabric of society, the fabric of the human soul, and the fabric of the human body. All things considered, war represents our failure as humans, not our success. Nevertheless, friends in Washington, the Battle of Gettysburg and the Civil War of which it was a part, strangely, was an effort to somehow preserve the essential fabric of the nation and more deeply, the human community. Abraham Lincoln, five months later in dedicating the National Cemetery at Gettysburg, reminded those in attendance that the nation had been conceived in liberty and was dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal and that the war itself was a test as to whether any nation so conceived and so dedicated could long endure. In other words, will the fabric of liberty and equality remain woven? Abraham Lincoln, of course, in writing his address, looked to the sacred text of Thomas Jefferson's declaration penned fourscore and seven years before on July the 4th. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The fireworks of this weekend celebrate the essential fabric of our national life and our human endeavor, the proposition that all are created equal and all are endowed with unalienable rights. We the people, so starts the preamble of our Constitution, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, to form a more perfect union Gouverneur Morris, who penned those words, had his fingers on the new nation's pulse, the heartbeat of the human spirit whose only sustainable rhythm is being united and not divided. It says as much in our national seal, the unfurled ribbon held fast in the eagle's beak containing the Latin e pluribus unum, out of many, one. If only to reiterate what is etched in all our sacred texts from Jefferson to Morris to Lincoln, that the American endeavor is to unite all people, regardless of creed or color, into one tapestry woven into an indivisible fabric. It is this human yearning that gave us the nerve to receive the gift from our French brothers and sisters and place the Statue of Liberty in New York Harbor and then mount inside her pedestal the immortal words of Emma Lazarus, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Friends in Washington, 
in the Hebrew scriptures, the prophet Jeremiah implores us to stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Friends in Washington, it is incumbent, we believe, upon those who are called to lead civilization's great institutions of freedom to ask for the ancient paths and to study the ancient texts so as to not forget what foundation upon which we seek to build the fabric we seek to preserve. George Santayana reminds us those who do not recall the past are condemned to repeat it. Yet perhaps the inverse is truer still. Those who do not recall the past, who do not study the ancient ways, the sacred text, are condemned not to repeat them. Friends in Washington, we who seek to follow the Rabbi Jesus, the one we believe to be the incarnate word of God, are reminded in our sacred text of that time when he was given audience in the halls of government, the Roman government, the time when Jesus stood before Pilate in the shadows of the Roman eagle. Pilate endowed with the delegated powers of Caesar and Jesus endowed, as we believe, with the begotten nature of God. And there the two talked of kingdoms. My kingdom, Jesus said, is not of this world, for I have come to bear witness to the truth. And Pilate asked, what is truth? And the truth, as Jesus taught, was that the kingdom of heaven is in our midst. The kingdom of heaven is within our grasp. The kingdom of heaven is right before us. And this kingdom was seen in Jesus' mission to form a more perfect union of God's people. Love your neighbor, love your enemy, forgive 70 times seven. If your brother strikes you on the right cheek, offer him the left. If he sues you for your coat, give your cloak as well. For my kingdom, Jesus says, is in the reconciliation of all peoples, a more perfect union. This, we believe, was Jesus' pursuit when he surrendered the throne of heaven, his equalities with God, and humbled himself, taking the form of a slave and obediently sacrificing his very being for the sake of the reconciliation of his people, not just with God, but to each other. Our sacred text reminds us that we are one body and one spirit, and this is where we find the kingdom of heaven. Friends in Washington, on this July 2nd, the reading of this letter precedes an invitation to this congregation to come to the Lord's table, the sacrament of Holy Communion, in which we will partake of Jesus' signs of sacrifice. We will remember all of what he gave so that we might come to this banquet. And yet as we approach this banquet, we are aware of how tempted we are even to divide ourselves. The table of Christ is as open as we wish it to be, and yet we are mindful of who we have held back from this table. People of color, people of different opinion, people of different lifestyle, different orientation, different cultures. We have ceased to ask for our own ancient paths we have too little listened to our master's voice. We have like lost sheep chosen the paths of division and prejudice. So it is with our own blemish, our own blindness to our own ancient ways, our vulnerability to not repeat our sacred past 
that we humbly call out to the halls of government and invite political leadership to join us as we seek to, in the words of the prophet Isaiah, reason together. For the kingdom of heaven is in our midst, not just around this marbled table, but throughout the marbled halls of Washington. What is truth, Pilate asked. Friends in Washington, let us reason together over this question. Let us together seek out the ancient paths and consider the ancient texts and wonder perhaps if the truth is found in the fabric of our human connection, the tapestry of being equal children of God, the common pursuit of liberty and justice for all. Let us imagine that the truth is not in unbudging division and intractable partisanship and the demeaning references and treatments of foes. We cannot tolerate this in ourselves. Time affords us no such luxury. Let us not repeat the mistake of proconsul Pilate who likely imagined that his Roman eagle would preside forever and that the wounded rabbi was destined for death. How could he have imagined that the eagle would someday collapse and fall and the rabbi would someday awake and ascend? American civilization will of course someday fall, friends in Washington, but let us not hasten its demise. Let us be about Lincoln's great dream of a long enduring nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all are created equal. Let history record we had rededicated ourselves to this mission, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. We who come to this table must be the first to take up the charge, and we do so first with our confession that we, like the apostle of long ago, are the chief of the sinners. We have failed to ask for our own ancient paths and departed from the ways of our master. We have consciously and unconsciously kept our brothers and sisters from the liberty and justice of this table. So let us reason together, friends in Washington. Let us in our common humanity seek the kingdom in our midst. And let us like those men of Gettysburg and the rabbi of Nazareth not shrink from the sacrifice required to preserve the fabric that holds us together. That we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, may set aside our petty differences and find in each other the kingdom of heaven and with it life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.
Friends, we rejoice in the midst of the freedom afforded us as citizens of this country to come to this table without fear of recrimination or harm. We rejoice that we have a Savior who beckons us to come to this table such that we might find here our true freedom in Jesus Christ. We rejoice that we do not have to bring to this table any resume of accomplishment in order to be welcomed, but that we are invited by our gracious Savior, Jesus Christ, to come here no matter where we have been, such that we might find where we might now go. So friends, we all are invited to come to this table and receive here these precious gifts of sacrifice, the one who gave his life so that we might live the one who gave us life so that we might find our ultimate freedom, the one who loves us and promises to be present with us at this sacred table. Hear the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you eat of this and drink of this, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again and he will come again. Let us pray. Receive us at this table, O Lord. We pray that you will bind us up as one people, for we can only be one in you. We can only be one in the midst of your kingdom. We thank you, O Lord, that we have heard your gracious call, and we bring with us in our minds and our hearts those perhaps who have not heard your gracious call those who perhaps maybe don't even feel welcome at this table and pray that we may be your people who are filled by your presence your holy spirit at this table such that we may go out into all the highways and byways and welcome all to the great feast of the kingdom so bless us in this moment that we may sense your presence be filled by your spirit and be yearning to follow the one we call master for we pray this in his name, and we pray the prayer he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace.
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the worthy sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Gracious Father, we thank you that in this sacrament, you assure us of your goodness and love for us. Accept our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, we pray, and help us to grow in love and obedience, that we may serve you in the world and finally be brought to that table where all your saints feast with you forever. Father, we humbly offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.